0: Part 2 of episode 13, Horror Movies! Evil laugh! <laughs> <laughs> My name is Melanie, and with me is... Uh, happy Normal? We broke her. Danielle. <laughs> At this point... We're almost three hours into recording because we could not fucking stop talking about horror movies. We got carried away a little bit. Sure did. (laughs) So, without further ado, let's get into what we have left.
1: Yeah, we're going to skip all the uh, normal bants at the beginning and all of that stuff because we're very tired. We'll give you, believe me, we are going to make up for it, but we'll talk about that later.
0: Okay, enjoy maniacal grin well, now
1: we're, <laughs> we're going to move on from your fucked up childhood to your fucked up teenage years now
0: Yay!
1: because here we start going into the 90s which is where three of my favourite horror films of all time come from the 90s so I've had what one mention per decade maybe so far but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that so in the 80s We can all agree that horror got pretty gross and gory and very, very shocking. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the 90s is the tone comes down a bit and it starts to get a bit, dare I say, cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. This era of horror is going to try to make you think. Okay, so we've got Silence of the Lambs, Mm -hmm. Seven, The Sixth Sense. Uh, so we've got our thinking films. We get equal parts parody and successful horror screens. So that is both a comedy and a horror slasher film that Great is slasher perfect. Film. Yeah. Yeah. We get experimental horror films, genre pushing and creative horror, as well as vampires making a comeback. Guillermo del Toro comes into view. Um Yeah. Japanese horror starts getting introduced to Western audiences. Mm -hmm. Teenagers continue to get into trouble and have to fight for their lives, but sometimes now they're doing it in comedy horrors, like Idle Hands. It's a really, really fun era for horror. And my special mentions for the 90s, my personal favourites are The Frighteners. Yes. Okay, which is a great film with...
0: Um... Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, I can't remember his name. I know that it has the 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 teeth that I have a <coughs> crush on. Uh, Jake the Busey. Of, yeah, he's the son of Gary Busey, Jake Busey. And... Yeah, I wanted to have so much sex with his teeth. <laughs> oh, God, the crush I had on his teeth. Just... You need
1: to get through Stranger Things because he's in this series. Anyway, um. Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox, that's it. No, yeah. um, uh, uh, Thingy Busey is in the, the most recent um, series. Yeah, of yeah, no, yeah, Str- J.
0: Busey's in Stranger Things, yeah. but Michael J. Fox is in The Frighteners. Yes,
1: yeah. I can't believe we can not remember his bloody name on Almost Famous. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, The Frighteners is fun. Which is another
0: Peter
1: Jackson. <laughs> is that a Peter Jackson film? Fuck yeah.
0: I genuinely didn't know that. I'm finding this out right at this moment. I this is why I love Peter Jackson so hard and I'm so mad at him for King Kong and I'll never forgive him,
1: sorry alright, it's okay right, and I'm going to build up to the next one which is one that I know that you and I bonded over and that you and I love with um, unabashed passion The Craft oh yeah, yeah that's huh. one that we will always I, don't, I think I've lost count of how many times I've actually watched it with you <laughs> and i know that i watched it quite a few times without you yeah um it's just one of those films that i mean yeah it kind of paints a very particular picture of what we were
0: like when we were 14 yeah it says so much (laughs) yeah yeah i would say probably every one of my favorite almost all my favorite horror movies are from the 90s right that's so interesting all right, continue, sorry. <laughs> right. And I'm just going to say
1: one more and some people will disagree with me, but um I remember going to the cinema and watching this and not knowing what I was about to watch. I had not been part of the viral campaign. I had not been part of the build up to this film. My grandmother took me to see it because I just wanted to go watch a horror movie. The year is 1999. I'm 13 years old. And I went and watched The Blair Witch.
0: Yeah, buddy. And
1: it fucking changed me as a person. I was just—I don't know how to explain. I jaw-droppingly entertained from beginning yeah. to end, and I ate it up. I thought it was real from beginning to end. I we was all Terrified, did. yeah, totally. People don't realize that out of context that the Blair Witch was the first sort of viral famous film before it came out. So they yeah. he released all of this fake information about this group of people that never existed. I didn't know all of this, even though I didn't know all of this, I watched it and the way that they presented to you in this found footage style, which by the way is new to the nineties. Yeah. um, Makes you just, believe it and you eat it up nothing's ever been given to you like this before and you're thinking holy shit what the f- why are we watching this there has yeah. to be a happy ending and you're yeah. waiting for the ending to come where the you know like the survivors of shit walk into shot and sit down in front of the camera and go and let me tell you what happens next well that's not what the fuck happens in Blair Witch you yeah. get the last shot of the film was probably one of the most terrifying final shots in a film in my memory personally and then nothing. Yeah. No
0: answers. No nothing. nothing. Oh, it was genius. It was genius. And, and when that, I watch it back now, I still just I'm still in that place of believing it. Yeah. Um it's it oh, was yeah. so well done. So you can good. shit on it all you want, but for what mm. it was, it was it was it was out of its mind. It was perfect.
1: Oh, it was so good. And and as as a as a child and if you think about 13 he's actually still a child to watch something so terrifying as that uh it changed me it really did create some fears in me nice <laughs> um very successful film very rightfully uh looked at as something very f- very fondly I think for people of our age I think people yeah. in their 30s and 40s now probably think Bell which was pretty good yeah Uh, It's really hard for that film to be appreciated out of context, because you will always know, you know, that it wasn't real. You'll always know other found footage films to compare it to. It's impossible for you to put yourself in, in our frame of mind when we walked into that cinema to watch it it's impossible for you to sort of understand the cultural context of it as well because they were swearing as well which is another thing it was rated r and they were swearing so much and actually that was quite a big deal to have so much swearing in a film i remember that was one of the things that my grandmother remarked on was not how scary it was but how much they were
0: swearing I think I remember there was some debate about considering it to be NC-17 because of the amount of swearing. Yeah, because of the swearing, exactly. And you watch it now, you go, they hardly
1: swear at all. (laughs) Yeah. They really don't. They swear the right amount of swearing for what's going on in the situation. Yeah, we would be swearing just as much, if not more. So those are my top three of the 90s. What are yours? Ooh, ooh,
0: that's impossible. Um, It gave me my favorite vampire movie of all time. Yeah. Dusk till dawn. Yes. There is no greater zo- vampire movie than Dusk till dawn. I dare you to give me one that I will love half as much as Dusk till dawn. <laughs> it is it is so dark and so fucking funny. Yeah. Um it's it is perfection. It, that oh, oh oh my love for Dusk till dawn borders on orgasmic. <laughs> it's it's inappropriate how much I love dust on. That's the first time I ever saw George Clooney. Cause he was doing what general hospital or something like that for a long time before doing this. ER, I think, or yeah, yeah. One of, one of those fucking things that I'll never watch and never mm-hmm. have. So all I knew was that George Clooney was supposed to be like some heart, heart, heartthrob for middle-aged women. That's all I knew about George Clooney. I didn't know what he looked like or nothing. And I see this fucking Fox with like the hottest tattoos and, uh, uh, i'm actually salivating pardon me <laughs> um and it, it just blew my mind and selma hayek who was also like one of the biggest crushes i had at the time it was just it was perfect oh dust till dawn i'm feeling things right now um another one of my favorite movies uh cemetery man i've heard the name but i didn't think that it'd be in your favorites Oh, Cemetery Man, or uh, also known as De la Della De la More. Um, 1994, it's a comedy horror. Um, basically, uh, Rupert Everett were, uh, plays this guy who, uh, I think it's Della De la More, De Morte. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's been so long since I watched it. But he works in a cemetery, and really his job is to put the corpses back in their graves when they wake up and start wanting to eat human flesh. And okay. he has a a round like he's kind of like a sidekick. He lives with him, who's who's uh you know a bit bit touched. And he's it's it's just the greatest movie. Sorry, Cemetery Man. You have to watch it, Danielle. You will you will shit the bed. It is so good. Okay um that could very
1: well happen tonight because that sounds like something that might be on one of my streaming services so it's so good i I think it's an an italian movie and it was dubbed um i have some pretty mental streaming services that may or may not be legal
0: nice you'll find your films on them yeah (laughs) rupert everett just painfully hot just so sexy um also ravenous did you ever see ravenous I might have. Okay, so Ravenous, it takes takes place in, like, the, uh, like, not so much pioneer-ish kind of times. I'm terrible with the with, uh, concept of time. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> she says to an archaeologist. <laughs> I know, right? It's got Guy Pierce, uh, Robert Kyle, Jeffrey Jones, David Arquette. It was made in 1999, and it's basically... Um this guy I believe he survived the civil war by hiding under the corpses of his fallen comrades so he's hailed as a hero for surviving but everybody realizes everybody knows that the only reason he survived is because he's a coward and he is sent to this outpost and while he's at this outpost a man comes in from the wilds and he's you know dying and he needs he needs a hot bath he needs food Long story short, it's a cannibal movie, and it's beautiful. It's got some of the best music design I've ever heard for a, a horror movie. It's really good. Uh, very fun. You also, yeah, you have Kronos. you got uh, uh, Guillermo da Toro, Arachnophobia, <laughs> some really good bad ones. Yeah. Fucking, oh, and Demon Knight, Demon Knight. Uh, I'd forgotten about
1: Demon Knight holy shit Yep. that's another one of my
0: favourites
1: that's in my
0: bank Billy Zane baby that's what I mean (laughs) oof Oof. back when he was just just crazy hot just too pretty if you don't know Demon Knight is a Tales from the Crypt movie and in perfect Tales from the Crypt fashion you just have some amazing monsters great demons beautiful gore uh just absurd special effects and fantastic comedy it also has a really young jada pinkett smith and she's fucking adorable in it mm-hmm. oh demon knight i'm still watching that tonight again oh, no. this is probably my second time this year sweet.
1: This. it's a good it's a good one it's a good one i do mm-hmm. i do i do like demon knight a lot i'd forgotten about it um yeah i'm thinking about billy zane in the cowboy hat now thanks mel
0: yeah <laughs> uh, right, baby right. um let me just bring out two more um well maybe just just a couple more because in the 90s we also had um yeah sort of like the rise of teen horror such as like i know what you did last summer oh yeah uh, bring a poem you know teen slashers like that which hadn't really been because in the 80s you had the teen horror but it was more like, like which we completely fucking forgot to mention, uh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, we did forget was, to mention Freddy Krueger. Totally forgot to mention. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, how could we do that? Nightmare on Elm Street. But yeah, in the eighties, it was a lot of like, you know, Jason and and all those bad guys killing killing on teenagers. But we didn't have a whole lot of teenagers killing each other. So we had that with Scream. We had that with I know what you did. La- I know what you did last summer. Um, Idle hands. Idle hands, things like that. The faculty? The faculty, yes. I actually got one of the slugs from the faculty. Oh, nice. Yeah, I lost it many, many years ago. But my mom dated... Uh, she dated somebody at the B special effects lab. So we used to be able to go and visit, and it was great. I got to see all the deadites hanging up against the wall. Yeah, the big cool. flying deadite from uh The End of Evil Dead 2, I think. Or it was either the one from The End of Evil Dead 2 or the one from... Uh, army of darkness but there was this big winged deadite hanging from the ceiling and uh yeah they gave me one of the slugs i was very excited i was i was so proud because i loved the faculty
1: i was gonna say we definitely got suddenly the teenagers fighting back in the 90s i did Mm -hmm. kind of allude to it when i said like teenagers continue to get into trouble (laughs) but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it's uh it definitely is the the era where because we've got some disposable income Mm -hmm. when you are probably between the ages of 13 and 17, they start marketing to us because we are going to the mall and there are movie theatres in the malls. And mm-hmm. that is what we're doing. I'm not quite old enough yet to be seeing the films in cinemas. That's going to happen later in the 2000s. So we're of age probably from 2000 plus, to mm-hmm. like 99 maybe plus. But the sort of, the what would you say, Generation X... Yeah. The early Generation X, they are going to the cinema. They are going to the malls. They are hanging out there and they are seeing movies. They were in the eighties as well. Let's be fair. Yeah. Um, but the nineties, maybe was it cooler to go to the cinemas? I don't know. Nineties was such a mall rat decade, though.
0: Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't think it was eighties. Uh, it, yeah, it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. The, I think the the uh yeah, there was something about the nineties that had us at the mall. Really consistently. <laughs> anyway, what was the other one? Oh, Misery. The one with Kathy. Yeah, Kathy Bates. Bates? Yeah. I think so. That's her name. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was uh that was 1990, and that was a classic fucking horror movie. Really, it was more psychological thriller type mm-hmm. thing. That was gruesome. That was a gruesome ass movie. And it also had the last um. Tim Burton movie that I actually enjoyed being Sleepy Hollow
1: yeah Tim Burton goes real
0: shit real yeah he did yeah. do good stuff in the 90s though and also the 1990s gave me gave us a whole bunch of Sam Neill in horror which is great Sam in the Neill Mouth- in horror yeah Lake Placid <laughs> Event Horizon In Horizon. the Mouth of Madness like oh classic stuff beautiful stuff I love the 90s horror <laughs> also forget you know
1: it's it's not to be underestimated as well the introduction of the Japanese horror into popular culture in the 90s it becomes its own sort of thing later but we'll get into that but the 90s is when Ringu comes mm-hmm. to well goes, I should say goes to America but comes to the west basically yeah. and all of a sudden there is this whole new culture of horror yeah all new monsters all new ghosts all new stories and I remember your dad is the one that sat us down and made us watch Ringu yeah and I remember watching it in that room
0: there's a house
1: in Newbury Park yeah and and just him going you're gonna love it you're gonna love it you're gonna love it (laughs) you're gonna love it but we're gonna <laughs> and showing it to us and i think we must have been oh gosh were we 15 or 16 15 gotta be 15
0: it had to have been like 14 or 15 yeah
1: yeah and yeah we did love it it oh, was yeah.
0: awesome and good so good after i saw the japanese ring that kicked up my deep passionate love for all japanese horror yeah. I'm, I, I almost immediately I was just like, all right, I need to watch watch audition, which is mm-hmm. 1999, so it technically falls into the 90s category, mm-hmm. which is so out of its mind. And uh, then shortly after that, as we get go, go into the 2000s, we we got uh we got you know um the Grudge, which I hated the American version, but the original Juan, um and its sequel Ju Ray, mm-hmm. gorgeous, just they, they scare the shit out of me. Japanese ghost movies scare the piss out of me.
1: Yeah, because it's new and it's different and I I think that we might have seen it a few years after it had been released too. I mm-hmm. want to make that clear that, yeah. uh, that your dad was showing it to us on, on VHS. Like <laughs> He was showing us a copy of it that he had had knocking about. It wasn't that it had just come or whatever. It was just that it missed us because we were too young when it was released in cinemas, but we were old enough to watch the release of it, and I'm pretty well, the, sure
0: it's a VHS. It might have been a DVD, but I'm not 90- sure. The um, American remake of The Ring came out in 1998, so I think you it was. You
1: just watched the original.
0: I think we would seen The Ring first. Yeah. And and my dad was like, well, if you wanna, if you like this, you know, you should really watch the 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 original. So we did, and it just kind of like blew our minds off.
1: Blue, I think it might be off, out in the timeline up. a little bit. I think just off the timeline a little bit because in 1998 I was only 12 years old. So I will not have seen that in the theatre. So it would have been something that was coming later. So as we were discovering horror from maybe the five years, six years previous, ten years previous, then he was maybe going, no, but you need to watch the original. The original is so much better. And that might have been the conversation.
0: I'm lying. The original came out in 1998. Okay. Sorry.
1: I thought so, because I mentioned in my little spiel about the noughties, how suddenly they just start remaking foreign language horror films, which Got is it. something you and I both disagree with completely. But, yeah. Um,
0: All right. Yeah. And my last mention of the nineties before we go into the noughties is uh, Brain Braindead. Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. Once again, another Peter Jackson film. He will, he's, he will always be a consistent uh, uh, thing with me. I, I Like I said, I grew up on all of his movies. When I when I started working at a movie theater when I was about 16 and Lord of the Rings first came out, I remember seeing a poster for it. I was, I was working at, like I said, I was working at a the movie theater and I see a poster I'm all, oh, cool, Lord of the Rings movie. And I saw directed by Peter Jackson and I immediately, in front of everyone, collapsed to the floor, cackling insanely. <laughs> because when i think peter jackson i think dead alive i think meet the feebles i think um uh uh bad taste just like the worst just <laughs> grossest gnarliest bad horror no they're not bad wonderful horror movies mm. um just gore fests and well and he's doing lord of the rings what do they do they know who he is but like you had mentioned with the frighteners I think that Peter Jackson, he did these two movies that I think are what made him so perfectly applicable for Lord of the Rings. And that was The Frighteners, which proved that he could handle a Hollywood budget and not get really bad with it. Um, But then he also made this other movie called Heavenly Creatures. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is beautiful it is so beautifully done he uses a few different art uh kind of like art mediums with it like claymation puppetry and it's just so visually visually stunning wasn't it it, a flop though i i don't know if it was so much a flop or it was just like yeah i guess it must have been a flop but it was it was it's beautiful i think it was just they couldn't be couldn't appreciate it Mm -hmm. um because there's nothing bad about that movie that movie is just gorgeous And it's such a beautiful story, like such beautiful storytelling. And it's all tragic. It's just so goddamn good. But I think the combination of being able to handle this sort of high drama, not a non-gory film and the the production value of the Frighteners combined were like, yeah, you could probably do Lord of the Rings just fine. And he did. But then (laughs) he
1: ruined it later with The Hobbit.
0: Yeah, let's not talk about later Peter Jackson. All I care about is younger Peter Jackson. That's fine. <laughs> oh, and Tremors. All right, last one. That's 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 it. Tremors. <laughs> just just getting that in there. T- t- tremors.
1: Boop. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So the nineties is a pretty good era for horror. Yes. Um. So we're just gonna scoot on to the two thousand till two thousand and ten. So let's make sure that we don't do the proper like moderny stuff. So yeah. we'll stop at two thousand and ten. Um, Into the millennium. So, you know, Y2K doesn't happen and we're all still here and everything's (laughs) fine-ish. We're pretty horrors up there again as a popular genre. Now, we did remember that we forgot to mention, but I've just remembered that I remember to mention it here. In the 70s and 80s, the concept of horror franchises were established. So we get Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and all that sort of stuff, making these...
0: Hellraiser.
1: uh, Yep, franchises. And that does continue. And we have the establishment of The Final Destination, Paranormal Activity, and Saw films.
0: Yeah.
1: And these are massive, massive franchises. Hollywood is remaking now, is starting to remake foreign language horror films, particularly Japanese horror. And for no other reason than people don't like to read subtitles. Melanie and I will talk about this in a minute. We are kind of a little bit uh, purists about this. We -hmm. think that if you want to watch a movie and it happens to be from Japan, you fucking watch the Japanese version of it. But there are some remakes that are great. Mm, But this should not have happened. Yeah. There's also a surge in the popularity of torture porn, okay? So, notable mentions go to High Tension, Wolf Creek, Dog Soldiers, and Hostel.
0: All of which are beautiful, except for Hostel. I'm not a Hostel fan, but... Yeah.
1: So, I mentioned already Saw as well, so that Saw falls into that category. Torture porn, for some reason, is super popular in the 2000s. Yeah. Well, I I
0: think it's because... So the 90s I remember just being really strict on how much swearing you could allow in a movie how much blood you could allow in a movie and like we paid we had as you know young teens who couldn't go see movies without adults um if they were you know are uh we were, we were so concerned with watching the ratings of movies they got real lax with that about 2000 and after but yeah uh I think after right about 2000, they are all like, oh, no, we can get away with a lot, and they're only going to give us an R. Whereas in the 90s, I think they were more concerned about NC-17 ratings for movies that had too much blood or swearing.
1: I am going to go a little bit down a conspiracy theorist's route here. Yes. My theory as to why we have torture porn in the 2000s, 9-11 happened in 2001. And we were basically being brainwashed to be desensitized to horrendous violence. Yeah. So if, it's, if horrendous violence is in our popular culture and we are therefore de- de- completely desensitized to it, uh, we're more likely to support governments that are torturing people or basically more likely to look the other way. So the manipulation of our popular culture and our, our basically our society in general in order to... Make sure certain narratives are being spun, make sure yeah. certain agendas are being met. Uh, I think it's an era of. It's the turning point for decency in compassion for other human beings. And I don't think we've recovered from it yet. I think that others, other human beings from other places, are still looked at in through the lens oh, how do i how do i say this i just don't think that we've recovered from the idea that torturing is okay in certain circumstances yeah uh and i think that there's a lot of fallout come from um us being desensitized to such horrendous violence such specific horrendous violence yeah so you know you look at a lot of the films that the 2010 when they when you can give them the genre torture porn or you know they kind of have that dark gruesome air about them sort of yeah. military like as well very They've brutal
0: yeah
1: so uh, i know that it's you know there's not probably one like entity like the Illuminati that's controlling all of these things (laughs) but I do think that there there are conversations that happen between powerful people particularly powerful men you've got you know all these men in power that can basically decide what gets made and what doesn't get made and I'm not saying that every single person in the creative industry were, were a part of it but I certainly think that the green lighting and the funding for these films was encouraged
0: yeah. No, and I agree
1: it sounds so dark, but <laughs>
0: you, got, you got real heavy with it,
1: man. <laughs> but I mean, how else do you explain sort of w- why people would suddenly be interested in the Saw movies? I don't know, it's just so weird. I've never liked Hostel or Saw or, or things like that because I have too much empathy for people. Yeah. I, I don't find them
0: entertaining.
1: I find them uncomfortable.
0: Well, I think what uh, like something that really dis- differentiates sort of like, uh, uh, okay, so we've always been down for teenagers being killed, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep, In horror yep, yep. but Especially um, the ones that have sex. They've always been shitty teenagers, as far mm-hmm. as we knew. We didn't know much about them. We just kind of assumed they were shitty. Um, just drinking and having sex and, and not giving a shit about the rules or the parents or anything like that. It's like, yeah, go ahead, die. I don't care. I don't know you. Is, mm-hmm. is the thing and with the 80s came some really new kinds of horror suddenly you had horror that was finally they had some special effects and some uh, they had special effects that could do the gross scary things that maybe they couldn't do before that and I think as horror files as we evolve we're used to a certain look and we want something new so unfortunately i I do think that a lot of it was like we've seen them be decapitated now let's watch them get tortured because just seeing them being decapitated is boring at this point
1: but at the same time you have final destination films that are incredibly popular and they're like instantaneous deaths and just creative and fucked up deaths
0: They, they were creative and they were fucked up but Again, we didn't care much about these people. Um, for the most part, we're just like we're just waiting for them to die in an exciting way, mm-hmm. um, and we got used to it. So, like, how do you ramp up from there? You make it something that you can feel. I remember the first time I saw Wolf Creek, it blew me away because the first like 30, 40 minutes of that movie is getting to know these people, and almost like at first I was kind of pissed. i like, God, this is taking forever. When are these people going to die? And then suddenly. I liked these people and I was like attached to these people and now watching them get killed is just like, it's, it's gut wrenching. It's hard and it hurts. And it struck me as like, wow, I'd never felt the connection with victims before. And that was something that horror was doing for a long time. It's says you don't have a connection to the victims because that makes it less scary. Um okay. Well, then you're going
1: to really like my selection of my top three. Yeah, give me Because very specifically, they are films which you care about the characters a lot. Yeah. And you go on a journey with them and you just, these three are, are you know, I I had a difficult time just picking a few, but these three stand out to me. But um, we've got 28 Days Later yeah so 28 days later you've got a character who wakes up and a zombie apocalypse has happened and he has to not yeah. only come to terms with the fact that every one that he knows is dead and that he's survived but then now he has to continue to survive somehow yeah he
0: immediately has to survive
1: yeah, yeah. um yeah. it's like being born yeah and it's, it's an incredible film and it's got incredible music and it's got an incredible cast. Every single person in that film, everything that happens, there's a very particular point in the film where a beloved male character, father figure, looks up and a crow drops a, um, a bit of blood into his eye and your heart just yeah. because you care so much about these characters i'm literally getting emotional thinking about it when that one scene in that film is something that consistently makes me cry when i watch 28 days later again when that is about to happen i look away and when i hear it and when i know what's just happened i just i my heart breaks because you love him you yeah. love that character and you 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 know from that moment at the moment he knows it as well yeah. It's horrendous and it rips your heart out. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and another one that is also equally horrendous and has one of the most depressing endings to a film that has ever been made, I think, in the history of cinema, it to the point where they, re- they actually filmed an alternative ending and then went with the depressing ending in the end, The Mist. Yes. So... I am definitely not going to reveal what that ending was. Just be prepared for um, the most emotionally gut-wrenching ending you'll ever watch in a film, uh, probably for your life. But leading up to that point, the reason why it's so heartbreaking is because you care so much for these people, even to the point where you care about the ones that are horrible.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the, the mist... I. Woo! My, my, one of my favorite Stephen King books is the best. Mm-hmm. It's this very short novella, and I read it, and I fell in love with it, and my dad was, because either my dad or my mom was just like, if you loved it, you should really listen to the audiobook version. I'm all, but I just read it. Like, no, 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 no. Listen to the audiobook version. And so I did. And it was it was great. It was one of the first times you really experienced sound moving. <sighs> uh, So, like, footfalls going from your right ear to your left oh, right, kind yes. of thing. And it, the the environment of it was just so perfectly read, and so I was already just fucking frothing at the mouth with love for this book. And then the movie came out, and I was not disappointed. I was so happy. Um, you watch it now, and yeah, the CGI is a little dated, whatever. But the you can you can tell what they're trying to tell you. And like I said before, the the monsters are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It's all about these people. And how quickly they can go from one mindset to another. And I'm not going to go into what that is. Because if you haven't seen it, you really should. Forgive the CGI just to like really <laughs> sink your teeth into the story. Yeah. Um, and at the, the time, and actually, they, I felt that it was pretty impressive. Well oh, at the time. Yeah, at the time it was great. But, you know, ten years later, not not as didn't stand up as well. To be fair, I haven't watched it recently, so. Well, my big problem with, my I think my only real problem with horror movies in the... In the aughts, in the 2000s, mm-hmm. um, is that we got so excited about CGI that we used it in everything when practical effects would have been better. I'm, I think I'm we're a, still doing that now, Mel. We've gotten better. We've gotten a lot better because what I'm noticing now is that they'll build the practical effects and then they'll enhance them with CGI. That I'm fine with.
1: Maybe but we're on a
0: wave going back that way, but <laughs> oh god, no, this I, is CGI nightmares. I think there's so many of us that are are. Like you said, purists. We I love practical effects. I've always yeah. been so so passionate about practical Agreed. effects, special effects, makeup, and then Give you had shows like. Any day. Yeah, yeah, and then we had shows like Face Off, and um, uh, what was the other one that had uh, uh, like the Jim Henson where they were building these Muppet, these these animatronic creatures, um, just sort of reinvigorating that passion in practical effects. So I think a lot of us still we like that. And almost any actor will tell you that it is way more effective to be acting across from a monster rather than just assuming a monster. Mm. Um, so that, that was my only problem with the two thousands. I, I remember just being in it and going, God, I really wish that you'd done that in a real way. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have that problem with the mist because they're, they're so big that it was kind of hard to do that practically. Um, But I remember seeing in the movie theater and at the ending, I stood up and was cackling my ass off. It's the only way you can cope. I was laughing so hard. And everyone in the theater, the theater was full. Everyone in the theater was just like, oh, my God, she is a monster. This person is evil. What is wrong with you? And I'm just like, are you saying this? Oh, my God. Yes. I I was so, so happy. And even Stephen King was happy with that ending. It was
1: great. It's horrendous. It is. The only way to cope with it is to laugh. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was so happy with that ending. Okay, so we can agree that The Mist was an incredible film with an incredible ending. Um, And so I'm going to talk about one that also used very minimal special effects when it could. And I think this is what makes this film very effective. You very rarely see horror movies, uh, sorry, <laughs> monster movies where you don't see the monster very much until the very, very, very end. And I could probably have been quite satisfied not seeing the monster at all, and they do a very good job of giving you just the right amount, okay? Yeah. The Descent.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's my favorite of the noughties. Nice. Yes. No. Oh, God, The Descent is great. Still, Dog Soldiers is my favorite (laughs) of his movies. But fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Um yeah, I yeah, I almost would have preferred a few less of the monsters. Um, but again, that's another one where the movie is more frightening because of what the people are going through and less about the monster the monsters are just the environment. And the most of that movie is just they are fucking underground and they are boned. Yeah. They are they're so fun. boned. They're <laughs> it's already so goddamn scary and yeah. now there's sucking monsters in it. <sighs>
1: Yes. It's, just, it's so effective. I've never watched a movie where I felt that I was going deeper into it.
0: Oh, yeah. I went
1: deeper into it. The way that it's filmed, you have to re-watch it to appreciate it. Because it mm-hmm. does start with wide shots. And the shots get narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower yeah. and narrower. And you're getting to the point where you're feeling just as claustrophobic as the characters and without revealing too much the very last shot, suddenly you're not in this narrow shot anymore. You're in a massive shot yeah. of everything and suddenly everything's in perspective but in, in a very unreal way. Yeah. And you are able to sort of comprehend everything that you've just been involved in and go, she's
0: fucked, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's Box and it's beautiful, beautiful storytelling.
0: Yeah, my well, my favorite thing for horror movies and horror novels too. Um, some of my favorite horror novels do the same thing where it's just like, uh, you went through all of this and you survived. You're never going to be okay again.
1: Mm.
0: You know, or like, there's no happy ending here. No. That's my favorite way to end a horror movie because, as as anybody who has survived something awful things change, but you're forever fucking changed by this. Like th- things can maybe, you're no longer in this bad situation, but that bad situation is going to be with you forever. Yeah. Um, and that's just how trauma works. Uh, so that's what I, I love a good horror movie that can really sort of get that across. And you don't see very often because the masses demand a happy ending. One of my favorite horror books is, uh, uh, one of my favorite zombie books is The Rising by Brian Keene and it does not have a happy ending and the fans were so angry about it that they demanded a sequel where it continues because they could not end that on a bad note like that i'm all no man that ending was great so a lot of the reason why we get so many happy endings is because people are too dumb to appreciate the reality of actual horror i disagree
1: really i think the reason we don't get the, the horror endings that we deserve is because the studios think we're too dumb to want okay, it. Fair. Totally I fair. Think, yeah. I think the people are in control and this is where this is going to perfectly lead into what I want to talk about the current state of horror cinema, but the people that were in control of big market mass media, you know, blockbuster, whatever horror films are just satisfied coming out with a new paranormal activity or coming out with something that has been done for before, giving people those happy endings. And do you know what? I think the audiences have had enough. And I think the audiences do want something different. And every single time says something along the lines of this movie didn't get made for years and years and years. because The studios didn't think that it would be a financial success, but look at us now. I mean, yeah. look at how many films are coming out that are completely changing the the, the state of cinema not just in horror but in all genres in general so i think um there's probably a, a good percentage of the population melanie that is exactly what you're saying they sure want enough. their they want they want their just like easy to digest horror films like you know franchises that they're used to and they like their happy little tweet endings and those are the people that um go to the cinema once a year twice a year yeah yeah The people like us, well, I say us, but you don't get a chance to go to the cinema very often because you're kiddies. But they're getting to an age now where you're going to be able to start taking them to the cinema more often. But me, Turner and I see, um, well, there is some points where we see two or three a month, depending on the time of year. So to get us in the cinema and spending money you've got to give us something different and i do think that that is the way that that horror is going now so we'll we'll continue to talk a little bit about more a little a bit a little bit more about the 2000 to 2010 before we move yeah. on but i think that right now we're at a very exciting time for horror but we'll get into that in a minute
0: agreed so when it comes to 2000s one of my favorite things that the 2000s gave me is a mass amount of amazing Japanese and Korean horror movies. Yeah. This is when we got, because I mean, Ichi the Killer really kind of set the tone for what the rest of the world would be willing to watch as far as like Asian films. Uh, There was not a lot of interest outside of Japan for Japanese horror or or movies, really, at all. Um, So we can thank Takashi Miyake for a lot of that. But in the 2000s, Oh, man, I was in heaven. We had, uh, I think, one of the, aside from The Ring, which was definitely the first one I saw, um, then then America came out with The Grudge, which I hated, but I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I can't stand Sarah Michelle Gellar. All right. (laughs) I just think she looks like a cunty cat. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) She just looks like a bitch, and she's got a weird pointy cat face, and regardless uh moving on so i but i liked the principle of it and one thing i do think that the that the grudge did better than the original which is called juan is that they did have the budget for better better special effects so some of the ghosty shit that they do in that movie was really impressive but they overdid them the fucking meowing little boy ghost and the whole uh which is a terrifying sound, but not oh, when you really it 30 fucking times annoying. in a movie. Yeah. yeah. You save that for like five really poignant times in a movie. You don't do it like 20 times. You just don't. You've, you've killed it. Same thing with the meowing child. Yeah. Um, but Juan and Jure, the Japanese version and its sequel, are terrifying. They're great. Then we also had uh, Tale of Two Sisters, which I, I think is, I think that one is Korean. But Tale of Two Sisters was one that I saw, yeah, it's Korean. Um, was the first time I ever saw, like, the hair coming out of a sink. Mm-hmm. In that traditional uh, Asian horror movie kind of yeah. way. Um, in that just really fucking disturbing way. If you haven't seen Tale of Two Sisters, it's really good. There are some scares in there that just, they make, they still to this day make me so goddamn nervous. It also to be my favorite horror movie of the last, like, 20 years which is called The Host. Right. Yeah, I knew
1: you were going to mention The Host.
0: I love The Host. And again it's a CGI beastie, but what I love most about The Host is that the 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 monster is is cool looking, but the characters are fantastic. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. And it's so smart for having characters that are intentionally very stupid. Mm-hmm. Um the movie is so smart. Uh I just I saw that and I was just like, this is this is so good. This is exactly what I wanted. This is perfect for me. Um so I mean if if you liked the host, have you ever seen Thirst? Possibly. So Thirst features the same main actor uh from the host, uh the kind of like dumb doofy guy who I just okay. kind of love. I will watch everything he's in. Um, but Thirst is a great vampire movie. He plays a priest who's uh, tricked into being a vampire or taking care of a vampire. It's been a while, but I loved it. And it's really worth mentioning because if you haven't seen it, you should. But there's also like The Eye, The Eye too, which I liked more than The Eye. Okay. Pointy waggle Finger because it's, it's another worth a mention. Japan and Korea just really pumped out some really amazing horror in the 2000s And a uh, marabito, uh, Pulse, there was also a Suicide Club.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What? It was the best and opening scene ever? Not only in horror, they're 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 bringing their cinema in general because they've got like Old Boy and shit like that coming. And yes. um, you know, it's it's opened a door to foreign cinema and That is why, you know, things are so great now in terms of, but yeah, uh, Japanese, Korean and, uh, yeah, Japanese and Korean horror definitely paved a a road for loads of other people to follow.
0: I think as as America, we got more into uh, Asian horror films, we all started picking up uh, you know the other ones so with like high tension like you mentioned yep. um, things like that that we we weren't You we were a very specific kind of person if you were watching horror, uh, foreign films before this um, and I was not one of them I was never into really art house type movies and that was really kind of people that were watching foreign films for a while and then come to 2000 so we're like oh Martyrs fucking insane have mm. you seen Martyrs? No <laughs> I- <laughs> love martyrs it starts off as like a ghosty movie and then it turns into something totally else and it is just fucked up from beginning to end it i believe it's french it is a motherfucker of a movie really is because i recognized
1: the um when you said about thirst i just quickly googled it and i recognized the poster as being one that's been sitting on my uh to to watch list for quite a while. It's fun. So I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a I'll give it a view.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. Also in the 2000s you had wreck. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is
1: that Which, post, is that pre two thousand ten? Yeah, that was two thousand seven. Whoa.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Quarantine That's I think was to, after.
0: To... Sorry. Quarantine was after. No, quarantine was made a year year later. Fuck you, quarantine. Piece of right. shit. Sorry. was just beautiful
1: beautiful beautiful film i'm
0: so extra mad right now
1: i like, know we um genuinely melanie and i agree on this 100 percent that remaking perfectly amazing films <laughs> is, is an abomination and yes quarantine is one of eyes. the worst ones yeah i know i agree i think it's disrespectful on so many levels
0: It was made a year later. That is awful.
1: Yeah. It's like they'd already decided before they'd finished it that this was going to be remade in English. There's so many Spanish horrors that started to come out. There's like, this is what's great though, Melanie. What's happened now? This perfectly segues into what I want to talk about, which is because of this, I think people started being like, no, I want to see the original. Yeah. And now we have a horror – how do I describe this? Like a horror community, which is more inclusive than any other genre of cinema. Yeah. You have films from Iran, from Afghanistan, from France, and from Spain, and from Portugal, and from Australia, and from Japan, and you've got Indian horror films. You're learning about – Indonesian ghost stories, you're learning about Native American ghost stories, and you're learning about all of a sudden it's not about white folklore, you know, white European folklore anymore. Yeah. It's not about our uh, well established fears and tropes. We are right now in 2019, I think we're on the top of a just an incredible new wave of horror cinema where it's inclusive of of all cultures and countries and we want to watch it in its original form and we want to learn what scares the tits off someone from japan as well as someone from indonesia as well as someone from brazil we want to know and especially want to know what scares black people because i think that jordan peele is probably going to be the next big name in horror oh yeah Um, I think he probably already is. But I think that suddenly, I think we're going to be using his name. I think in the future we're going to be using his name in the same sentence as Carpenter and Argento and all of the greats. I think Peel is going to be in there. His first two with Get Out and Oz are both, I think, flawless pieces of cinema. They are so, yeah. So right now is so exciting because it means that all these cultures and all of these different you know social statuses and all sorts are making films and we are actually willing to consume them and we're gonna go out and we're gonna go spend our money on it and we're gonna go watch them in cinemas and if they don't want to put us out put them out in cinemas netflix will do it someone will stream it all these independent filmmakers are going we don't need to go to the studios anymore because guess what netflix will give us five million dollars yeah to go and make Annihilation or whatever, make this fucked up film. Yeah. That was supposed to get a theater release, but Netflix was like, Nah, you can stream it. Because for whatever fucking reason, the studio's backed out, and it's yeah. one of the most successful films of the of recent horror, you know. And it's beautiful. Have you Have you ever managed to see Annihilation yet?
0: Not yet. No. It's uh,
1: <laughs> something else. Nice. And, it, it 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 it. I'm just so excited because it means that all of a sudden, cinema films are being made by new people that aren't being controlled by the same elite
0: yeah. fuckers
1: that they yeah. always have been, and we're finally getting stuff through. Also in in um in England in Britain, we're getting you know, there's squeezes on the art funds. Uh, because as you know, Britain has always had a really good, healthy, independent film uh, community because yeah. we have lottery funding and things like that. And we are very, very enthusiastic about giving small first time directors the chance to make movies. We've got Channel 4 that gives them money um, to independent films and things like that but that's a, that's being squeezed right now obviously because we have to sort of be very careful with where money goes these days Yeah. but thanks to I mean I know that they're a super entity and I know that they're a corporation and I know that there's probably going to be some fallout from it but thanks to Netflix for and Similar streaming services, you know, even Amazon and things like that, who are fucking evil, established evil, but they are, they are, you know, they're funding independent artists to make really great stuff. And it's turning to television shows. Um, so we're getting television shows that are just as good quality, if not better quality, than films. We are yeah. no longer a slave to—sorry, hate use that term—we are no longer under the control of a out-of-date, old-fashioned elite yeah. of people. Yeah. And thank fuck for it because there's so much great cinema that's come out. Um, I mentioned Get Out and Oz already, but and you mentioned last week The Witch, which I think is probably one of the best horror films of the last 20 years. And yeah. also, uh, I don't know if you will like it, though. I don't know. This one's my favourite so far. Uh, Not favourite so far, but sort of like one of my favourites of the last 10 years. But it follows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure because it's kind of got a little bit of a, a carpenteriness about it and, you know.
0: <laughs> but... Yeah. It was there, was, there was a camp to it, but um, there was that one scene, was it the, on the beach, and they're in that little, like, shack, shed type mm-hmm. thing. Oh, man, that scene fucked me up. That scene fucked me up hard. I'm like, no, 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 no! <laughs> it was great. That whole
1: thing fucked me up, Mellie, because... It came out in two thousand and fourteen, okay. And in two thousand and fourteen I was like in the middle or had just recovered from a fucking mental breakdown from anxiety. So watching that film mm. was like watching uh can dare I say it, my anxieties on screen.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, it 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 definitely definitely got under my skin. Yeah. That's one that it's funny I say Under under My Skin because that's one that I can't watch. It's called, like... It's got... What's her name? Oh, is it called Under The Skin? It's got her from Ghost World and she's... Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Where she plays an alien from another world and she's here to eat up human men. I couldn't actually get through it because it was so... Anxiety-inducing, yeah, and the music is like that really high-pitched violin stuff. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it won an award, the soundtrack, but yeah. um, it, it, I couldn't watch it. I had to leave because of the fact that. I was kind of going through a rough time, yeah. but I was able to watch it follows because we went to see it in the cinema and it was a, a very positive experience. The whole day had been nice and we'd go in and watch it. So everything was comfortable and everything was nice. I had nice salty popcorn. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and a terrifying movie was so good. I'm glad you like it because it, I think it's a bit more mighty. You know what movie fucked me up in, in a very similar way? Mm-hmm. Babadook. Yeah, I see. I think that's, hmm. I didn't really like Babadook, but you really liked it. And you really rated
0: it, which has made me want to watch it again. So my experience with Babadook, I think, is very different from probably every other person who's ever watched Babadook. <laughs>
1: OK.
0: So at the time, my boyfriend was away a lot. He was um, setting up store. He was working for he's working for this company and setting up stores in different locations. So he would be away for like a week, two, three weeks at a time. Um, And I had a maybe one year old daughter and my like three or four year old son. So my children were very little and I was home alone a lot. And I was doing the single mother thing. Right. So uh, not, not single mother. Yeah. It was essentially feel it felt like I was a single mom and I wasn't working. So I was stay at home, single mom with, like, no real money coming in. You know, m- my boyfriend was bringing in some money, but, like, I wasn't doing anything to bring in money on my own, which makes you feel really fucking useless. Mm-hmm. And I also had PPD, postpartum depression. Right. So I was not okay. I was in a very bad place. Phineas, I'm fine now. down. <laughs> <laughs> he He always knows when I'm, like. Going through an emotional thing, and it'll come at me. Um, so I was in a really, really tough emotional place when I, I watched it. And I, when you're, when you have kids, you do yell at them. Anyone who tells you that you shouldn't yell at your kids. Go suck a dick. You yell at your kids. You just do. If you're exhausted and haven't slept more than two hours in three days, and your son is just like, cheese, I want cheese, I want cheese, I want cheese, and he hasn't eaten anything fucking normal in, like, a couple hours, it's like, no, you gotta eat a real meal. Cheese, I want cheese, I want cheese. You're like, drop the fucking cheese and eat the goddamn sandwich. You know, little things just go from being, like, a really dumb thing to really fucking infuriating, and you feel like a monster when it happens. Again, especially with PPD, it spirals out and you just feel nothing but like hate for yourself and like the worst human ever. So Babadook really fucked me up from a single mother perspective. And I cried literally from beginning to end and not just like little tears falling down, ugly sobbing the Mm -hmm. entire movie. I went through an entire box of tissues. I was watching it with Jesse and she's like, are you okay?" Like 10 minutes into it are you okay? No, I'm not. I I can't handle any of this. It fucked me up. So, and whereas everyone's like, that kid was so annoying. I get why people think that kid is annoying. But as a mom who felt like I was completely failing my children and doing nothing but yelling at them, all I wanted to do was love this child so much. You can hear I'm getting like emotional. This movie really fucked me up.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, just to try to take it off the pressure off you a little bit here, it it, it did exactly what it was. That was what it was trying to do. It was trying to, to communicate to people that children aren't adorable little perfect little things. Sometimes they're creepy. Sometimes they're annoying. And sometimes they're fucked up. And it's because of trauma. And sometimes mm-hmm. the parent shares that trauma. And sometimes they manifest that trauma together, and they create monsters out of nothingness. And they share. To-
0: he wanted yeah. to help his mom so much. Like, I'm so emotional. There are tears in my eyes. <laughs> that movie really, really got me.
1: <laughs> it's, it's because I think it's core at its core, at its heart, it was a book. And it was a book written by a mother. And I think it was a book written by a mother who went through some trauma with her child. And so it comes from a very real place. Uh, I don't think that it's a monster movie in the effect that the monster is actually a ghost. It yeah. is the, the, the monster in that movie is trauma and it never defines to you what that trauma was. All you know yeah. is that they share it and they experience it in a different way. You are led to believe that it could potentially be because the, the father left or that the father died under horrendous circumstances or something like that. I can't quite remember, but I don't really think it actually goes. This is the trauma that they experienced and this is why they're like this.
0: It, to me, it read like the monster was the mom's own mental illness. Um, unrequited, like not taking care of, yeah, not having dealt with that trauma. Yeah. And not healing from it turned into really extreme mental disease. And, and yeah, that's and- what you believe
1: paranormal... Things are. You said last week that, you know, you believe that the manifestation of these things are what creates hauntings and creates spirits. Yeah. And so she made the Babadook. She made it out of her own
0: uh, mental struggles. And like so for me, the Babadook was never scary. I thought he was cool looking, but he was never scary. That movie never at any point scared me. That movie only ever emotionally just fucking gutted me. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I think my experience with that movie was a little different than most people. I think a lot of people loved that movie for the monster and, you know, for for the implied message of, yeah, yeah, trauma and and dealing with that. But I was dealing with it in a very real way at the time of watching it. I was just like, oh, this is too much, man. I can't. (laughs) Calm
1: your tits, woman. I was wrecked. Right. Is there any other horror movie that you want to do honorable mention to horror, entertainment or anything like that before we wrap it up?
0: Literally all of them. Um, <laughs> what do, another one that, that popped into my head a couple of minutes ago, and I'm all, don't forget it, don't forget it, is um, The Devil's Backbone. Okay. All right. Which is an early Guillermo del Toro movie. One of the most beautiful ghosts I'd ever seen. Uh, this little boy who uh, died underwater and cracked open his skull so he's got like yeah. blood flowing that's up from good. his head yeah
1: yeah that's good yeah
0: just gorgeous and that movie is another another one that's just an emotional fucker and it's yeah that movie's really intense um high on the drama not i mean the scares are there but again it's another one where it's just about the emotional uh what these people are going through particularly these children that's a motherfucker go see that one
1: that's that's yeah. a beast. I would um, go into Guillermo del Toro a bit more if we hadn't mentioned him so much in the uh, Gothic horror yeah. <laughs> episode. Everybody, well, everybody knows we love him. We so. love him, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's uh, obviously his his work borderline borders on 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 many genres, and horror being one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, and we love him very much. Yeah, and we will go see anything that has his name attached to it, like you know, just go. And I'm so glad that I do because I would never have gone to see Pacific Rim. And I actually really liked that movie.
0: I saw that movie drunk off my ass in 3d. And as much as an, I did enjoy it, but I was, we were really close to the screen. Oh no. And I was really drunk and I have a huge crush on Charles, Charlie day. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I'm all, oh my God. His pants in 3d is like my favorite thing. These pants, they fit him so well. I can that only see his pants. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I was really focused on his pants for a good chunk of that movie. I um, was really
1: excited for a second there, because I also saw it drunk, but I saw it at the back of the theater. I kept going to Turner, it's like watching Power Rangers but for grown-ups. Yeah, yes. And I kept going every time they did, like, moves. Yeah. And, like, it, like, they called out the name of the move before they did it. I went <laughs> to Turner, they do that in Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> it's Morpheus <laughs> time! And, like, rocket punch! Boom! And oh, I loved it. It was like the inner 12-year-old was just getting <laughs> all of the entertainment. Anyway, that is not horror. <laughs> no. Segway. Sorry about that. Very, very clearly not. Okay, well, that concludes part two of episode 13. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, Obviously, we went on one and I left, I'm sorry, and we've left quite a a lot in there for you to digest and a lot of films for you to go and watch. We're not going to pick a random topic this week uh, because we have, a super special secret surprise episode going to be recorded pretty soon uh we'll be making tantalizing announcements as we get closer to the launch day but in the meantime melanie well can you
0: tell people how to reach us so if you liked any of the horror movies we've mentioned in the past two weeks (laughs) roughly what 200 movie titles we've thrown at you Um, if you have any suggestions for topics to come, any ideas, or you want to call us out on our bullshit on episodes past, you can reach us at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at zombiefishbowl or zombiefishbowlpodcast. We're easy enough to find. And we'd love to hear from you, so please do so. Also, we are on iTunes, so if you want to subscribe, leave a review, drop some stars, just basically stroke our egos like the uh, greedy little bitches we are, we'd really appreciate it.
1: Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so,
0: Melanie, do you have a quote for us? I do, I do. Hold on. So when it comes to finding horror quotes, there's so many. There's so many. Did I want to just end it on... We're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, yeah. do, do we want it ended on Dead by Dawn? Dead by Dawn. There's so, there's so many. So this quote, I liked it. It's not particularly from the best of the series, but glorious, is it not? The creatures who walk its surface, always looking to the light, never seeing the untold oceans of darkness beyond. There are more humans alive today than in all its pitiful history. The Garden of Eden, A Garden of Flesh From Hellraiser's Bloodline
1: Oh, beautiful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Loved it. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh,
0: and that's it. We're done. We're done. Three hours later.
1: Woo! What a ride. So thanks, everyone, for listening (laughs) to us go on and on and on a bit. Um yeah, and next time you listen, it'll be like nothing you've heard us do before. Mm-hmm. And we hope you like it
0: and we're really looking forward to it. Uh it should be good. Yeah. And if you're th- frothing at the mouth for more information, seriously hit up us hit us up on the social media. You'll get some clues. It'll be exciting. You can kind of put it together.
1: Yep. 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 Now I'm out of steam and I'm gonna go eat some pie. I love you, Melanie. I love you, listeners. Bye bye. Don't panic.
0: Ah! <laughs> I love that they cut me out after he did that. <laughs> he panicked. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Meow.